Chapter 41 of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones. The History of Burke and Hare by George MacGregor. Chapter 41 Burking in London apprehension of bishop williams and may their trial confession and execution reintroduction and passing of the anatomy act this other lesson to which reference was made at the close of the last chapter was given through the medium of a case which occurred in london in many features the case was similar to that against the westport murderers with the notable difference that the Englishmen did not go about their desperate work with quite so much method and cunning as did their prototypes in Edinburgh. They used a brutal violence, which, fortunately for the community, cut them short almost at the very outset of their murderous career. Shortly after noon, on Saturday the 5th of November, 1831, John Bishop and James May both well-known body-snatchers, called on the porter of the dissecting room at King's College, London. May was the spokesman, and he informed the porter that he had a subject which he would give him for twelve guineas, and he then proceeded to declare its qualities, much in the same way as he would have spoken of an ordinary piece of merchandise. Quote, it was very fresh, and was a male subject of about fourteen years of age. End quote. Mr. Hill, the porter, said he was not particularly requiring it, but he would see the demonstrator, Mr. Partridge. There was some haggling about the price. Bishop offered it for ten guineas, but was ultimately forced to abate the sum by another guinea, promising at last to send the body for nine. In the course of the afternoon, the two men, accompanied by a colleague of the name of Thomas Williams, returned to the college, and with them was a street porter who bore on his head a large hamper taken into a room the hamper was found to contain the body of a young lad wrapped up in a sack hill saw there were some suspicious marks about the head and besides it was not in such a form as bodies usually were when taken from a coffin the left arm being bent and the fingers clenched the porter asked them what the lad had died of but may who was in a drunken state said that was neither his business nor theirs they then informed mr partridge of what he had seen and suspected that gentleman without seeing the men examined the body and found there were about it some marks and circumstances of a suspicious nature there were the swollen state of the jaw the bloodshot eyes the freshness of the body and the rigidity of the limbs there was also a cut over the left temple having made his examination he sent for the police and returning to the men he produced a fifty-pound note telling them he must get that changed before he could pay them bishop saw that mr partridge had some gold in his purse and he said to him give me what money you have in your purse and i will call for the rest on monday may on his part offered to go for the change but Mr. Partridge declined both proposals, and left the room on the pretense of seeking the change himself. 
All this was but a blind to detain the men until a strong body of police had time to arrive when all three were apprehended, and the body was taken to the police office. A subsequent examination of the corpse by three surgeons, one of them being Mr. Partridge, showed that the lad must have met his death through violence. The only external mark, that on the temple, was superficial and did not injure the bone but between the scalp and the bone there was a patch of congealed blood about the size of a crown piece which from its appearance must have been caused by a blow given during life on the removal of the skin from the back part of the neck a considerable quantity about four ounces of coagulated blood was found amongst the muscle and this also in the opinion of the surgeons must have been effused when the subject was still alive a portion of the spine having been removed for the purpose of examining the spinal marrow a quantity of coagulated blood was found lying in the canal and this it was stated from its pressure on the spinal marrow must have caused death all these appearances in death would in the opinion of the surgeons have followed a blow from a blunt instrument of any kind subsequent inquiries by the police brought to light the fact that the body had been offered to the curator of Guy's Hospital and of Granger's Anatomical Theatre, both of whom declined to purchase it. They also discovered that May had called upon a surgeon dentist in Newington on the morning of the day he was apprehended, and had offered for sale, at the price of a guinea, twelve human teeth, which, he said, had belonged to a boy between fourteen and fifteen years of age, whose body had never been buried. Some of the flesh and pieces of the jaw adhered to the teeth, showing that great force had been used to wrench them out. On the question of the identity of the body found in the possession of the three men, the authorities had what was apparently satisfactory evidence that it was that of Carlo Ferrier, who had arrived from Italy two years before, and who went about the streets of London, with a cage containing two white mice slung from his neck by a string. On the night of Thursday, the 3rd of November, the boy and Bishop and Williams were all three seen in the vicinity of the Nova Scotia Gardens, where Bishop resided, but they were not in company. That same evening, one of Bishop's neighbors heard sounds of a scuffle proceeding from his house in Nova Scotia Gardens, but paid little attention to it, as he considered it was simply a family quarrel. A search through this house by the police led to the discovery of two crooked chisels, a brad awl, and a file. There appeared to be fresh marks of blood on the brad awl. Then in May's house in Dorset Street, New Kent Road, there were found a vest and a pair of trousers, both marked with what were evidently fresh stains. Buried in Bishop's Garden were found several articles of men's clothing, all of which were stained with blood. Another incident, which seemed to show that the body was that of the poor Italian boy, was that on the 5th of November Bishop's boys were seen in the possession of a cage in which were two white mice. When the productions were taken to Bow Street Police Office, where the accused were confined, May said, when he saw the brad all, that is the instrument with which I punched the teeth out. And the dentist, in his evidence at the trial, said the teeth had been forced out, and he thought the brad all produced 
would afford great facility for doing so. This, in brief, was the case upon which the prosecution rested for the conviction of the three men. The trial took place at the Old Bailey Sessions on the 1st of December, and created the most intense interest among all classes of the community. The court was crowded, and outside an immense multitude had assembled. After a long trial, the jury found the three prisoners guilty of murder. The verdict was received in court with silence, but when the result was known outside, the people cheered vociferously and this they continued so long that the officers were obliged to close the windows of the court that the voice of the judge might be heard in passing sentence of death only four days grace was given to the unhappy men for their execution was fixed for the fifth of december the day before their execution on the fourth of december bishop and williams made confessions before the under-sheriff in these documents which will be found at length in the appendix they acknowledged to the murder of the lad whose body was found but they stated that he came from lincolnshire and was not the italian boy to whose identification so many witnesses had sworn subsequent investigation however led to the belief that the condemned men and not the witnesses had made the mistake they also declared that they had been concerned in the murder of a woman and of a boy of about eleven years of age. Their method was to get their intended victims to drink beer or gin, which they had drugged with laudanum, and then, when they were in a stupefied state, to lower them by a rope attached to the heels head foremost into a well at the back of the bishop's house. This act completed the work and it was thought allowed the drugged liquor to run out of the mouth. They thus acknowledged to three distinct acts of murder, but they both declared that May was wholly ignorant and innocent of all of them. Bishop had been a body-snatcher for twelve years, and he had, during that time, obtained and sold over five hundred bodies. The evidence against May had all along been deemed defective, and this full and unequivocal statement that he was unconnected with the murder procured a respite for him when sentenced in court he turned to the jury and said i am a murdered man gentlemen the communication of the news that his life had been saved was itself almost the cause of his death he fell to the ground in a fit and while he was in contortions it took four of the prison officers to hold him but he recovered in a quarter of an hour by one o'clock the morning of monday the fifth of december a great crowd had assembled in front of the scaffold at newgate and by daybreak as many as thirty thousand persons were present to witness the last act of the law bishop's appearance on the scaffold gave rise to a scene similar to that at the execution of burke in edinburgh the people hooted and yelled in a terrible manner while the executioner put the rope around the murderer's neck and fixed it to a chain depending from the beam and the demonstration was renewed with vigor when williams was brought out when the drop fell bishop died instantly but williams struggled in the death agonies for several minutes the crowd then broke through the barriers and a scene that baffles description ensued forgetting itself in the excitement of the moment the mob rushed toward the scaffold and in the struggle with police 
large numbers were injured many were trampled under foot by half-past seven o'clock that morning between twenty and thirty persons were carried to st bartholomew's hospital all seriously maimed thus died says a broadside published at the time the dreadful burkers of eighteen thirty one the author of the production called the trial sentence full confession and execution of bishop and williams the burkers furnishes a very pertinent comment on the whole transaction the month of november eighteen thirty one he remarks will be recorded in the annals of crime and cruelties as particularly preeminent for it will prove to posterity that other wretches could be found base enough to follow the horrid example of burke and his accomplice hare to entice the unprotected and friendless to the din of death for sordid gain in accordance with the terms of sentence the bodies of the executed criminals were delivered over for dissection and anatomization while this terrible example of the dangers to the community under the existing state of the law as to the study of anatomy was still fresh on the minds of the people mr warburton again introduced his bill slightly altered in respect of details into the house of commons on the fifteenth of december eighteen thirty one he obtained leave to introduce the bill and it was then read a first time he moved the second reading on the seventeenth of january eighteen thirty two but when the question was put that the bill be read a second time it was found there were not forty members present and the house had to adjourn however on the twenty-ninth of the same month he was more successful and gained the second reading after it had passed through several stages in committee mr warburton on the eleventh of april moved that it be recommitted and stated that he had been waited upon by deputations from the college of surgeons in dublin and another medical body who desired that the provisions of the measure should be extended to ireland which he had not originally intended should be included in its scope in committee it was agreed to extend the bill to ireland on the eighteenth of april when it was again in committee an amendment to the effect that the disposal of the bodies of executed murderers for dissection should be left to the discretion of the judges was negatived the bill passed the house of commons on the eleventh of may and shortly afterward received the approval of the upper house End of chapter forty one